so residents said a few minutes before the blast, they, they witnessed four men were seen speeding away from the building in a car. But that's just every day in Russia. Yeah, have you seen dash cams? Yeah, you walk outside and just four men are speeding away from a building at any moment. You don't know when a bomb's going off, you just know that they're speeding away. It's like living Uh, in Central Florida. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Ah. Uh, and Ryan. Let me tell you something. Bud Light has made a pumpkin spice hard seltzer, right? Really? Before you I've say had the anything, Bud, I've had the Bud Light hard seltzers, dude. They're good. It, this is pumpkin spice. It is not bad. Yeah. yeah. And I feel bad saying that, but it is not a bad seltzer. I think I had it. I think they had it last year because I remember yeah. having having it last year and I got it. It was pretty good. Did they? Yeah. They have a fall combo pack and I I sort of was tempted. Well, the the one that one seemed decent and I passed on getting it. And by the time I went back to get seltzer or whatever, they had the Christmas one out. And one of the flavors in the Christmas Bud Light seltzer pack is eggnog. Oh, and that just sounds gross it's probably just gonna be like like that artificial milk flavor oh, you know what i'm talking about you need artificial milk flavor in your life <laughs> yeah it tastes like fucking eggnog and it gets me drunk <laughs> i know i, I know you. i could go to the store and just buy fucking eggnog and just buy some whiskey and just do it well, myself but they already have eggnog with whiskey mixed into it the, the good people at the wild turkey factory they've done the work for you ryan yeah they did the lord's work <laughs> And they charge three times what it would cost me to do it. Yeah. Hey. What you want down here, though, you live in Flo- you live in Florida. You need some, uh, what's it called? Coquito. That's what you yeah, need. Yeah, some Coquito. Yeah. That's what you need, bro. You know, my, our, friend like Ellie, Chata, our friend Ellie made some Coquito, and she brought it over, and I took, like, a sip, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> what, what is Coquito? It's like rum and cinnamon and milk and spice. It sounds, and- like, a, it sounds like a rum chata. It's, it's but it's like a traditional thing, like yeah, it's like a Puerto Rican like rum chata. Yeah, it's like okay. it's like Puerto Rican eggnog rum chata. Okay, it's good. Yeah, you ask like it's, a Puerto Rican person about their coquito, they'd be like, oh, bro. <laughs> okay, okay, I got. I think I have to try that then. But speaking of Puerto Rican rum chatas, <laughs> <laughs> which which goes into today's topic, because today we're going to be talking about the birth of of modern. Um, sort of Russia, of Putin's Russia, um, where we'll discuss in, in part one of our two-part series on the Russian apartment bombings. Ah, uh, yeah. That's some good shit right there. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the Russian move bombings? What? Uh, apartment bombings, yes. They, they were they were kind of a little... Uh, they, they were about on equivalent of the move bombing, despite, really? like, Sands... Sands, you know, police helicopters dropping, you know, <laughs> explosives onto a onto a hardened position. I'm not uh, laughing at the move bombings, by the way. I'm not laughing at the move bombing. I'm, I, I have to laugh because it's so ridiculous every time I. Hear I it. always, I always, I always love that. Apparently, John Waters wanted to, wanted to do a movie about like the the move, um, like cult or whatever, and the the move bombing, and because like. He, he said he was fascinated by it because it was like this sort of like weird 
like black like afrocentric cult but then there's just this like random white woman in the group and he was just like what was her story (laughs) (laughs) and rachel doll was all um so the the russian apartment bombings is is one of those things that's sort of like russia's 9-11 um, in that it happens ar- around the same time, um, but it also sort of builds up. A-, a lot of people will claim that it sort of builds up Vladimir Putin to be like the prime political figure in Russia, and there's a lot of conspiracy theories around it. Big um, so, so in part boots. one, we're going to talk about sort of like the historical record of what can be confirmed and what is actually like fact um, around the bombings, um, which even then, there- there's a lot of unknowns. That, that sort of pop up in a lot of confusion due to different news sources and, and sort of eyewitness accounts mm-hmm. that, that sort of add to it. And then sort of like the conspiracy theories that go into it we'll discuss in the right. second part. But you can use algebra to solve for X in these equations. <laughs> That's right, right? Yes. <laughs> There's three I unknowns. I, I solve for X by happened. supplying Putin. I, I remember when this thing happened, right? Like, I remember seeing, like, a bunch of stuff on TV about it, but because it was in, like, the late 90s, I didn't give a fuck as much because I was, like, a freshman in high school. Like, I was, yeah. Like, shit. Um, so I do remember this, and I do remember, like, weird sporadic details that it was, like, a truck bomb or some shit like that. But past that, I'm, I'm in the blank. So I'm I don't remember any of it, mainly because I'm, when I'm it happened, board. I was in... Uh, I was in Canada and I told someone I don't I don't like Putin and they just punched me in the face and asked me what was wrong with French fries and cheese curds. Um, so first, before we get to the bombings, I just want to sort of go through the the history of. Did you get uh, that, Steve? It was about Putin. I get it. I get it. That was my Norm Macdonald. It's about yeah, Vladimir Putin. the joke you're, you're, you're giving. It's about Putin. I made it sound like the guy's name from Russia. Did you hear what I did there? Do you get it? It's a joke. Did you hear it? Okay. Loud horn. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm not even drinking. Let's go. So Putin, uh, for a lot of his life, you know, he was born in uh, Leningrad. His grandfather was the uh, personal cook of both Lenin and Stalin. Um, Putin himself was born in 1952. He's not a cook, um, Steve. He's a chef. Well, he's a chef. <laughs> I don't know. That, that's a little too bourgeois for... <laughs> Women cook, Steve, to quote Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. I know. It was um, like a joke. It was a joke he made on like some talk show. And, I'm not I've been on the Norm McDonald thing, and and somebody's and Norm was just totally fucking up the dish and like messing with him, and he's like, hey, "You're a good cook, you know." And he's like, "I'm not. I'm a chef. Women cook." And then everyone, everyone boos him. Oh, so good. He's like, "It's a joke. It's a joke, you donkey." <laughs> um. So, uh, Putin's father. He's a veteran of World War Two. Um. He's injured and um pretty much uh crippled, um from his time in the war. Um, and he goes on, he joins the, um, he, he eventually joins the KGB, um, where he spends a lot of his career in East Germany, um, which is where one of his two daughters is born, um, in Dresden. Um, cause, cause the Soviet Union used to have uh, a similar relationship to the Warsaw Pact that the United States has, 
um, to other nations that they're allied with, like Germany. Um, so while his daughter was born in, like, Dresden, Germany, she was born in, like, a Soviet military hospital in Dresden. Hmm. That, that used to this, be- is, this is Putin's daughter, right? Yes, this is in, like, she was, um, his second daughter was born in 1986, I believe. Hey, he, ah, same nice. age as me. All right. He has. Gonna, you guys are born when the Mets won the World Series. He has so two. Is his, go ahead. He has. He has two legitimate daughters, and he allegedly has a um, an illegitimate child with a with a woman that's been speculated recently. I wonder. So two things. I wonder how mad he is that he hasn't had a son. And B, I wonder if his daughters probably are psychopaths pr- like probably, he is. Probably pretty mad. Because it's right? a it's a very it's a very patrilineal system. Well, it's his daughters are just like um, they're they're pretty average. It seems like um, <laughs> I, I'm sure they get some some like money from their relationships to their father. But his one average does that mean that they're Putin sycophants too? Like, well, no. Like one of them is like an endocrinologist, and one of that's them is not is, fucking is, average. <laughs> and, it, and one of them is a is a teacher. <laughs> what? Average isn't being an endocrinologist. Or no, she's a. She's a sci- she's a uh, a science manager. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I want to live in your world. <laughs> well no, I mean like they're they're not like Hunter Bidens, you know. They're okay. not they're they're not they're not taking pictures of like M&Ms on their dick like Hunter Biden is an average individual. He no, like, does I, blow and he fucks hookers. I According to, I have to say that I have to say that I think Steve means like an average successful person as opposed to <laughs> Hunter Biden. <laughs> Hunter Biden is very successful. You see the pictures? He's got girls doing, like, lines of coke off his penis. That's success. That's, okay? that's not success. <laughs> that's, that is fucking... <laughs> that sucks sex, is what that is. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but but anyways, um, Putin alleges... Um, and and he, he does, like, an interview with Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone has this long sort of, like, documentary where he just goes around with Putin and interviews him. Um, and he claims, and this was in 2017, he claims that he uh, resigned from the KGB in 1991 um, following the the attempted coup that was against uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, um, which is sort of like the end of the Soviet Union, is that as Gorbachev is opening things up, um, as republics are leaving the Soviet Union, um, a bunch of hardliners in the, in the KGB and the Communist Party and the Red Army attempt a coup d'etat against Gorbachev. They they sort of trap Gorbachev at his dacha, uh, which is sort of like a Russian vacation home. Dacha, okay. yeah. Um, and then um, what what happens is is that the, the people sort of rise up. Um, one of the heroes of this is Boris Yeltsin, um, who famously um, goes like atop... Santa Claus with his white hair and red nose. No, he, <laughs> which, looked, he looked like every Polish grand... No offense, I know he's Russian, but he looked like every Polish grandfather I ever met when I was in grade school. But he, yeah, that's it, yeah. he he goes on top of a tank that's outside of the uh, the White House, which was at that time where the uh, the presidium of the Soviet Union met, um, which was like their legislature, um, and he waved the the Russian tricolor flag, um, and, and that sort of symbolized um, the the sort of standing up to the old power, and this this sort of is like the high water mark of the the end of the Soviet Union. Gotcha. Um, but in 1990, Putin becomes an advisor. Um, on international affairs to the mayor of Leningrad. Um, on June twenty eighth of nineteen ninety one, did you um, mention at all the fact that he was like a like a a uh, wasn't he like a general in the KGB? Well, he wasn't a general. He was like a middle guy. 
he he was, was highly he was, ranked though. Who Putin? Yeah, he was pretty yeah, but, high in the KGB, as far as I know. But it he was like the running anything. But he was as high. But, as in it. but he was he was mostly stationed in East Germany. Like he was mostly doing stuff there. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Because that's yeah. why his daughter oh, was I'm born sorry. in East Germany. He was a supreme commander in chief colonel. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What is that in freedom That's words? what Google has written because it's all his ranks at once. So it's like... <laughs> but yes, he was, in, in, he was in, a colonel. Freedom units. Yeah, he was a colonel in the KGB, which is like right before a general. Okay, okay. So it's um, not a fuck-off rank. But, but, but he, would, he would still... To, to understand where he stands within the hierarchy of like the Soviet people who come out of the fall of the Soviet Union, he would be considered a middle guy. Because after the Soviet Union collapses, it's mostly the middle people who are able to succeed. The, the common folk, they don't really know what's going on. They don't have the education to really understand what's going on during what's called economic shock therapy. Mm-hmm. And essentially what happens is, um, and, and this was one of the reasons why Russia is, is not as successful as, say, China, when it transfers from a, a, a socialist um, controlled economy to a market-based system is because what they do um, sort of at the behest of, of American advisors um, is they just cut loose. Um, they do what's called shock therapy, which is just they just release all controls on the economy um, just immediately. Wow. Um, and, and what happens with a lot of people who become wealthy um, are the middle people who sort of have an education um, into like how market systems work in order to better understand you know foreign economies and how they work. Um, so, for instance, like when state-owned enterprises are are liquidated, uh, for instance, in China they still have state-owned enterprises um, where the state owns a majority in the company, but they sell off stock to other like um, individuals. Yeah, like, <laughs> like TikTok. <what>? Oh. <laughs> or or. <laughs> but legal legends <laughs> but so what happens is is that because they're state-owned companies everybody in russia gets sort of like stock in these companies um or, or if you're in the region where they they operate you get stock in it but what happens is is that these middle managers just show up because people don't really understand how stocks work and they have immediate needs because the system is kind of collapsing during this period and continues to collapse and not work properly but they offer them like immediate payments so they buy out stock in all these companies at low at low low prices, right. because the people need money then or crazy food. Eddie. Crazy Eddie, yeah. Prices, yeah. Come down to Crazy Eddie's just south of Twenty Seven, just to the left of Little Caesars. We got stocks at the low low prices. Crazy Eddie's and th- stock docker. <laughs> and this is this is sort of the birth of the Russian oligarch, if if you've heard about them. Yeah, I, um, I beat a couple of them in the first Hitman game. <laughs> the fat guy so- who looked like Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> When, so, just so we're clear, when you say Russian oligarch, are you basically saying just fuck off no, rich he's, money no, that has a lot no, of control dude. in government? He's talking about Oleg Ark, which is a <laughs> Russian guy. Oh, my bad. Okay. <laughs> that was a stretch. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're um, talking about, Steve. Who specifically are the Russian oligarchs? Well, there's, there's a number of them. There. What are they? They're they're like these these incredibly rich, like Russian men who are who are very much like also integrated into sort of like organized crime, who control a lot of industries. Like they're the type of guys who buy like soccer teams in Western Europe. Like like they're the people who own and controlled companies like Gazprom, which was the uh, Russian gas company. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the people who control like all these major industries. So they're like a more legitimate 
Pablo Escobar. Yeah, in the sense that like they got there, they got where they are by like buying out stock when it was very cheap, or they were able to like buy it from people for cheap, and then sort of building that into an empire. Okay. They're they're not really making their money from anything illicit. They're just sort of taking advantage of people. Right. Um so in in June 28th of 1991, um he becomes uh, the head of the Committee for External Relations of the Mayor's Office of St. Petersburg. Um and his sort of his responsibility is the promoting of international relations um and investment um in the city, um including the registering of business ventures in St. Petersburg. Um, but within a year of him taking this position, um, he's investigated by the city legislature um, for corruption. Hey, I think Vlad's fucking around. Um, it, it was concluded. <laughs> it was concluded by this committee that looked into him that he had understated prices and permitted the export of metals valued around um, ninety-three million dollars um, for foreign food aid that never arrived. Okay. Like um, uh, like cheese its. Yeah. <laughs> Cheetos. Froyo. No, I'm sorry. Bugles. He was waiting to put all those little salty snacks on his fingertips. <laughs> yeah, he'd like doing that. That's his comrades, I present there. to you Combo Man. That was our that was our compromat like that we had for uh Putin for a while there was that he liked to put bugles on his fingertips. <laughs> we had pictures of him doing it and pretending Look, to Look, I am people. witch. I put bugles on my fingertips. I am witch. I am, I am Baba need, Yaga. Need Baba Yaga. Toy. Baba Yaga. <laughs> I am Baba Yaga. Let's go. <laughs> um, uh. So, despite the recommendation that he be fired, um, he remained the head of the committee until 1996. Um, mm. And then, so... I graduated grade school. So from a period of 1994 to 1996, he ha- he holds several uh, political and governmental positions within St. Petersburg. Okay. In 1994, he's appointed first deputy chairman of the government of St. Petersburg. Now, how legit um, are these, like, are, you said appointed. So, like, are there, is it just appointments at this point in time? Or there's, are there elections? There are, there, there are elections, um, but... The, not all positions are elected for. That there are like positions that are appointed. Okay. Um, and in 1995, um, he organizes uh, a branch of a of a pro government party um, called Our Home, um, which is sort of uh, this this liberal political party um, that that sort of uh, comes into power that was founded by the prime minister of Russia at that time, uh, Viktor uh, Chernomyrdin. Oh yeah, Vicky Vicky Chonami Arts, yep. <laughs> Vicky C. <laughs> Vicky C. I remember that guy, yeah. Oh Vicky C. He wore an ascot and a dicky. No, he wore uh, a Didas tracksuit and drink vodka. In in nineteen ninety five In nineteen ninety five he manages the uh, the legislative campaign for the party. Um and from nineteen ninety five to nineteen ninety seven, um he's the leader of the Saint Petersburg branch of the party. Man, this guy moves up quick. I wonder why. So in June of 1996, the current mayor that he serves under, uh, Sobchak, um, he loses his bid for re-election. Frank Sabatka? Uh, his Russian cousin, Sobchak. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Ziggy probably <laughs> fucked it all up for him. Frankie um, So Putin, who had led his election campaign, um, he resigns from his positions in the city um, administration. Um, from there, he moves to Moscow, 
where he's appointed the deputy chief of presidential property management, um, which is a, a department within the Russian government. Also, the president shouldn't own property. Like, what the fuck? Well, it's it's like it's like the management of like essentially the Russian version of the White House. Like, it's not so much like. Uh, okay, th- like that he's buying property. property. It's just like presidential government, okay. like like the, where the government, like where the president stays and stuff like that. Uh, okay, okay. Um, he'll occupy this position until March of 1997, um, and during that period, he is responsible for foreign property of the state um, and organized the transfer of former assets of the Soviet Union and Communist Party to the Russian Federation. Um, so the foreign uh, property is is sort of like embassy property. In, in consulate property. Mm-hmm. Um, on March 26, 1997, um, uh, then-President uh, Boris Yeltsin appoints Putin uh, Deputy Chief of the Presidential Staff, um, which is a position he retains until May of 1998, um, and then he becomes the Chief of the Main Control Directorate of the Presidential Property Management Bureau until June of 1998. Why are the biggest pieces of shit always, always like, appointed to, like, Chief of Staff? This dickhead, uh, uh, fucking Stephen Miller, uh, I think Mark Meadows was appointed chief of staff at some point. Like, why are these people always the worst? Well, they're like a fall guy, you know. It's yeah, well, they're guy. they're also your hatchet men. They're they're the ones you send in. Like, like these are the guys that that handle the business. No, they don't. They just fucking look. Ri- Never mind. I can't even say the hard R word. No, you know they what I mean. no, they do a lot of work, dude. The chief of staff, basically, in like the White House, at least they they run the White House. Yeah, that's also why Trump's, like, administration was such a dumpster fire is because, you know, Stephen Miller is, like, a like a, a mouth-breathing, that's like, a, troglodyte. But, that might yeah. be, like, one way to say it. Also, like, a, a, a maniacal, racist piece of Yeah, shit. Yeah, but it, it was just the sort of thing that you put a guy who has unrealistic expectations being his, like, hyper-white nationalist, like, plans... And you for make the country, you, you let them control the center of government. But but normally, like Stephen Miller is just a solid hate golem. But the problem is, he's also too fucking stupid to actually implement anything or get anything really like snowball effect. The second point. Back. Well, the well the thing is you know that I mean? a proper a proper person in these positions knows how the system works. That's why they're your guy. Because they know the ins and outs. You can send them in. They'll get the job done. They'll get out, and it'll be like clean. But the problem is, you know, with operators. yeah, but the problem with like they're they're essentially political operators. But the problem is, you know, that like Stephen Miller is not a political operator. Yeah, he doesn't have the connections or this or the. Uh, but or but Putin is dumb. Like, but Putin very much is a political operator. Yeah. Okay. Um. Smooth operator. <laughs> so his his predecessor for the position, um, and his successor for the position. Um, his, his, um, both become prominent politicians and also associates of Putin. So he's sort of locked in with these guys. Okay. Um, and June 27th, 1997, um, the St. Petersburg Mining Institute, um, um, where guided by a rector of Vladimir, uh, Litvinenko, uh, Putin defends, um, his, uh, his dissertation on economics titled, uh, the strategic planning of regional resources under the formation of market relations. Um, so this is all part of a custom um, in Russia, whereby like a rising official will do like a scholarly work and make career. I imagine this was probably related to how things worked in the Communist Party. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, 
when Putin becomes president, um, his dissertation comes up again because he's the target of uh, plagiarism accusations um, by uh, fellows from the Brookings Institute. Um, so, which is in the U.S., right? Yeah, they they sort of look at it and they realize, you know, that he's he's drawn heavily from from other reports from foreign um, people, um, and so Putin claims, you know, that he had that that it had been properly referenced, um, but. The, the Brookings Institute fellows um, asserted that it constituted plagiarism. Well, um, you say but, it's been properly referenced. That's like the politically correct way of saying, yeah, I stole it. <laughs> it's like saying, yeah, I definitely plagiarized. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, what the fuck are you going to do? About I wasn't going to write this. What are you kidding me? I'm, I'm flatty poots. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, on, on May, 1990, uh, May 25th, 1998, um, Putin is appointed the first deputy chief of presidential staff, um, and on July 15th, he's appointed to head of the commission for the preparation of agreements on the uh, delimitation of power of the regions and head of the federal center attached to the president. Um, so, Russia is a federal republic, um, so in theory, it's sort of like the United States, but instead of having states, they have republics? The fuck is the difference? It's just a it's just a terminology. So um, the difference between in here in the U.S. the Commonwealth and the state. Well, no, no, it's just the term that's used politically, because um, because republics have their own governments. Um, the amount of like freedom that a re- that a republic has in Russia um, differs. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's sort of uh, compared to China, whereas China is supposed to be like a, a one state system where it has um, different provinces, um, but the provinces themselves uh, yield a lot more power and, and influence and direction than they should under the law, whereas Russia is the complete opposite, where it's supposed to be like an America-style or German-style federal republic, but the um, but the states almost always answer to the federal government. Okay, so they don't have that, that states' rights, brother, that we have over here. On, on paper, they do, but in, in, in practice, practice the... Like Putin is the one who who controls things. We're talking about practice. Putin. What are we talking about? Practice, not a game, not a game, <laughs> not the game that I go out there and die for. Practice. <laughs> you know what's funny is it's 2021, and that was like like what like the early 2000s when Allen Iverson did that, and uh, nobody's gonna remember that. Ugh, it's one of the greatest press conferences ever. On July 25th, 1998, uh, Yeltsin appoints Putin to be director of the Federal Security Service, which I was, is... Uh, I just pictured Yeltsin as a big idiot. Like, he just... He, like a he dumb is. Dumb, doesn't he? He, he, He's, yeah. he, uh, he has a lot of problems. Um, allegedly, he suffered from neuro, uh, neuro, a neurological condition where he was prescribed medication... Fetal that alcohol you should, syndrome? That you should not drink under, and he would drink excessively. Oh um, my god! Yeah, he was a hardcore alcoholic. I remember like, fucking. Yes. Bill, Bill Clinton has a story that when Yeltsin visited the White House oh, one time, yeah, I've heard um, that the the Secret Service uh, found him on Pennsylvania Avenue in his underwear. He had escaped through a window, and he was trying to hail down a taxi to go find pizza. Oh my god! There, there was also an incident. Where he was supposed to meet with the president of Ireland, 
And his plane circled for a long time. And when it came down, you know, the president of Ireland, the honor guard and everyone's there. And he's like, well, I need to meet with the president or whatever, you know, to do this. And they're like, you can't meet with him. And he's like, well, can I at least like come on the plane and like shake his hand? I feel it's important. They're like, no, you can't do that either. So I heard a story about when he came over here to the States and he had wanted to go to a grocery store or some shit just because like he didn't believe in the amount of excess that the United States has. So they let him. They let Boris Yeltsin, like, with his security team, just walk to a grocery store, and he would walk around, and he was just talking to people, like, this is normal? Like, this is like this is what you guys have over here? All this choice, all this what? different stuff. This- I-, I think you're thinking of Khrushchev. Are you sure? Because I've heard this specifically. Because Yeltsin, Yeltsin believed in, like, a market-based system. He wasn't like, this is bullshit. Gorbachev, or no, uh, not Gorbachev, uh, Khrushchev was the one where, like, they had the kitchen debate with Nixon, where, uh-huh. like, they had the American sort of pavilion at the World's Fair, and they showed off what an American kitchen looked like, and, and, uh, and Khrushchev was just like, you're full of shit. Like, like no one no one has a TV in their home. No one has, you know, this. Um. So, all right. Boris Yeltsin in 1989 visited a Randall's grocery store oh. in Houston, Texas, and he was just floored in like basically everything that was available in that grocery store. Yes, he no, he he totally believed in like that capitalist system, but he I, I guess it was like he personally just needed to see it. I guess. I mean, Russia yeah, I, this was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, well, like with the way it was, um, the the way it was presented, I thought it would be like that that sort of like. Uh, Khrushchev sort of sentiment of like like you're lying whereas yeah, no, like no, no. but as far as I know when Yeltsin saw the grocery yeah, store he totally was like okay the, 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 the system that we have is definitely definitely because blocked. like Russia at the tail end of like um, uh, at that period during uh, uh, Gorbachev was, was not in a good state mm-hmm. so um, as I was saying on July 25th 1998 Yeltsin appoints Putin to be the director of the uh, Federal Security Service, or FSB, uh, which is the replacement, like, the successor for the KGB. Okay. Um, on August 9th, 1999... <laughs> right back um, where I P- started. <laughs> uh, Putin is appointed uh, one of three uh, first deputy prime minister positions, um, and later on that same day, um, he's appointed uh, acting prime minister of of the Russian Federation by Boris Yeltsin. Huh. Okay. So what was wait, wait, um, what was what was Yeltsin's title? Well, Yeltsin's president. They uh, have a president and a prime minister. I thought he was prime minister. Okay. Um. So he announces too that he wants Putin to be a successor, um, and then later on that same day, uh, Putin agrees to run for the presidency. Okay, okay, okay. I guess I'll do it. You guys have pulled my leg long. All right, all right, all right. Um, on on August 16th of that year, um, the the State Duma, which is the parliament of Russia, um, approves um, uh, Putin's appointment as prime minister with 233 votes in favor, um, with a simple majority of 226 uh, required. Um, so he becomes uh, Russia's uh, fifth prime minister in fewer than 18 months. Wow. Um, most people don't expect Putin to succeed because he's like uh, an unknown at that period. Um, and he's also initially regarded as a loyalist to Yeltsin. Um, so um, Putin um, did I think not. People like Boris Yeltsin. 
Uh, by this period, they don't because he's sort of a joke. Okay. Um, and the, the economy's not going very well. He's sort of embarrassing them at home and abroad. Um, and, and you'll see that um, his family is also um, locked into a, a bunch of corruption scandals that will come out uh, shortly. Okay. okay. Um, so uh, Putin doesn't choose his, his ministers. They're chosen by the president. Okay. Um, so a lot of Yeltsin's main opponents are already um, campaigning to replace um, Yeltsin. Um, and they, they're sort of fighting to prevent uh, Putin's emergence as a potential successor because they're preparing to fight Yeltsin as opposed to Putin. All right. Um, but what happens on August 31st, 1999, at, um, at 8 o'clock um, p.m. local time, um, an explosion goes off um, on Octani, uh, at the Octani Riyadh uh, shopping mall on... Uh, Manajanaya Square in Moscow. Um, so the thirty first of August. So at this point, that means that there is already like active fighting in Chechnya, then, right? Yeah. So what what essentially has been happening is is that since the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, Chechnya has been very unstable, and it's sort of become a magnet for Islamist fighters. Right. So there are different warlords, and what happens is is that in nineteen ninety nine. A group of people, um, uh, of these Islamists um, from Chechnya, um, they invade what is called Dagestan. Dagestan is a state that is next to Chechnya. It's also like a Caucasian uh, Muslim state. Um, the, the Tsarnaev brothers, the ones that were behind the Boston bombing, right. they're originally from Dagestan. Okay. Um, so these, these Islamist elements sort of invade Dagestan, um, and things don't go very well for them. Um, because the locals aren't really receptive to their, like, sort of Islamist um, teachings or whatever, their message. Um, and and so this, the the Russians begin fighting them. But what happens is, is that this car bomb goes off at this shopping plaza, um, and one person is killed, and 30 to 40 people are injured. Um, and according to the FSB, the explosion had been caused by a bomb of more than uh, 300 grams of explosives. 300 grams? That's it? Yeah. Um, so Jesus. Um, so on September second, nineteen ninety nine, um, an unknown person called and claimed that the bombing was committed by a militant organization called the Liberation Army of Dagestan. Oh, okay. So yeah, it that Dagestan oh, came okay. in and took care of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he is the best fighter ever. He is. He just he just speed runs uh, cage fighting. He just cuts out one of the steps and just goes straight into <laughs> running on the side of the cage like a fucking anime character and just goes to town. Who's this uh, kind? No, uh, Khabib. Uh, Khabib. Yeah. yeah. The the UFC. Who's from Who's from Chechnya? Uh, it was a joke because Mankind is the greatest cage fighter in the history. So of we were WWE. talking about the guy from UFC though. Oh. <laughs> Man, gotcha. Man, mankind the- is is one of the <laughs> best. I was um, making a joke because he's from Dagestan. You, you well, it's you know it's a four way between them and you know Cactus Jack and and Dude Love and yeah. you know Mankind. S- same cage but different, but but still the same kind of cage. Ca- you know? Cactus Jack was the best, dude. Oh my god, Ugh, the best. Um, bang, bang. On, on September fourth, nineteen ninety nine, um, at uh, ten o'clock. PM local time. Limp a car bomb is sti- played a show in Oblast. <laughs> 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 
Gonna do it my way, my way or the highway. <laughs> and that was the bomb that went off that day. Um, uh, a, a car bomb is detonated outside of a five-story apartment building in uh, Boyanovsk's uh, Dagestan, uh, which is near the border uh, with Chechnya. Um, the the building had been housing uh, Russian border guard soldiers and their families. Um, 64 people are killed in the explosion and 133 are injured. Um, a, another car bomb was found in the town and diffused. Man, um, the diffused, can't catch a break, huh? Uh, the diffused uh, bomb in the other car um, was 5,966 pounds of explosives. Um, it had been discovered by residents in a parking lot. Dude, um, that, that, that is surround- a lot of bomb. And it was surrounded by a uh, uh, an army hospital and residential buildings for army personnel. Even Northern Ireland's like, guys, guys, e- come on. Ease up. <laughs> Ease the fuck up, guys. This is 569 pounds of explosives? Yeah. The fuck? Um, On that same... uh, Five days later, on September 9th, 1999, um, shortly after midnight, um, a a bomb is detonated on the ground floor of an apartment building in southeast uh, Moscow. Um... The explosive power was equivalent to uh, a 666 to 880 pounds of of TNT. Um, the nine-story building is destroyed. It kills 106 people inside, um, and it injures 249 others, um, and it damages 19 other buildings. So, all right. In, like, let's just say, like, in, in 20 words or less, why are these bombs going off? on what has to be understood as, like, civilian targets. And I understand, oh, it's, it's the whole reason for terrorism. Uh, it's a definition of terrorism. Like, I get that, but, like... I believe why? I believe the, the impetus of it is to send home the message to the Russian people that, that the Chechens and the Dagestanis want to be independent and it's not worth the efforts of, of fighting the occupation. Because um, while all the republics are breaking away... Um, Chechnya and Dagestan are not allowed to sort of do this um, because at that time there is a very important oil pipeline that goes through Chechnya, which is one of the reasons why the Chechen wars are fought to sort of maintain it. Um, it's all made moot because today they've they've like rerouted. Um, I, I believe the pipeline's still in use, but but it's not as important because they built other pipelines right. so that like if things go like tits up in Chechnya, they're fine. Um, so, so Chechnya and Dagestan wanted to be independent states. Well, these these Islamists wanted to form a state out of Chechnya and Dagestan because uh, they're these Caucasian Muslim sort of states. Um, now, where is Chechnya and Dagestan today? Because I, my understanding of they're, they're they haven't Russia. moved. Uh, well, they're in the they're in the same spot. <laughs> well, they're in the they're in sure the, the Caucasus. Still there on the map, but but like, wait, is Chechnya its own sovereign state now? No, it's a republic. Okay. Under, like, the Russian banner, kind of? Yeah, it's under the Russian Republic. It's north of Georgia. Okay. Like, yeah. it, it borders on Georgia. It's, um, like, so between you kn- Georgia and South Carolina. It's yeah. right there in the 95 corridor. <laughs> if you just bang a left right there, fucking making, he's right there. <laughs> you can go down there, you can pick up some pralines, a Quran, and you can just... Yep. So what about... Boiled peanuts. What about Dagestan? Dagestan. 
Um, That's where the boiled peanuts are, Dagestan. Dagestan is like right next door to uh, Chechnya. So but they're they both also still like a, a republic. Yeah, and they're both um, they're they're on um, well, Chechnya. They're they're sort of in what's called the Caucasus, which is that region between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. Um, they're north of uh, the the nation of Georgia and Azerbaijan. Um, so these these areas, um, like I said, there's there's oil there. There's an oil pipeline. So the Russians don't want to like let them get away. Fair enough. Because like Texas being like, "No, nah, we're out of here." The government's gonna be like, <laughs> "Okay, all right." Because because nah. honestly, there, there's sort of like a redentist sort of feeling in Russia that all of the states that broke away shouldn't have been able to break away. Like, the people who wanted to live... The people who lived in those states, they wanted to break away. But the people of Russia don't think they should have been able to. Okay. So there's this sort of thought that, like... Like, if they said tomorrow, like, we're going to invade Georgia, we're going to bring it back into Russia, the majority of, like, Russian people would probably be, like, cool with that. Oh, okay. Okay. Is there is there a generational shift where younger Russians are more likely to be like no fuck you let them live their own life and it's like an older generation thing where it's like we could just take that back and y'all i miss the days yeah. well it's it's sort of like a i i would say like it's hard to tell because of how things politically are in russia i would say that among like older people it probably has this thought but i'm sure there's some like patriotic like young people like some like Russia's equivalent of like Chuds, of like who are all in <laughs> the Russian Ma- Madison Carthornsky. Yeah, yeah. I'm never Madison backing Coo- off Coo- my Coo-thon? position. I Madison definitely Coo-thon? was in a car accident. Absolutely, that's what happened. Yeah, I, d- I definitely didn't tell a bullshit story about how I almost died and all that other good stuff. Yeah. I wasn't instead a giant. I'm not looking for pansy. your pity, just your money. That's all. <laughs> um, but after this explosion. That goes off in Moscow. Um, it destroys 108 apartment buildings. Ooh, that's one for every star. The Sudokan. <laughs> Once again, um, even the IRA is over there. Like, hey guys, you might want to roll that back a little bit. You're fucking them all up. <laughs> the uh, an FSB spokesman at the time announced that traces of of RDX and TNT had been found on items removed from the site of the explosion. What's RDX is that like plastic explosives? That's the it's, graphics card I just bought. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. It's it's a type of explosive compound like hexagon. Okay. Okay. Hexagon. Um, <laughs> what the fuck is hexagon? Uh residents said that a few minutes it's a before type the of blast explosive material like RDX. The, the deeper you get into this, the more it's gonna be like, what the fuck is that? That's <laughs> a file it's like Ryan, it's a fucking bomb. Okay. Um uh, so residents said a few minutes before the blast they they witnessed four men. We're seen speeding away from the building in a car. But that's just every day in Russia. Yeah. Like, have you seen dash cams? Jesus yeah, you walk outside um, and just four men are speeding away from a building at any moment. <laughs> you don't know when a bomb's going off. You just know that they're speeding away. It's like living um, in central Florida. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Boris Yeltsin, in response, orders the search of 30,000 residential buildings in Moscow for explosives. Um, thousand buildings? Yeah, and he takes personal control of the investigation. Dude, imagine um, how long that would take. Uh, Putin declares uh, September 13th to be a day of mourning for the victims of the attacks. Fair enough. How many people um, died? 
it lot. was uh, 93. Or no, it was 106. They early believed there were 93 dead. It was 106? Jesus Christ. Yeah. With uh, 249 injured. When was that? You said that was like, like August 1999? Yeah, September 1999. <laughs> Not that it matters a lot, but all civilians? Yeah, they're all... These are all just like like people in Russia. That's these are all just people from like bald and bankrupt videos. That's fucking awful. That's By yeah, the way, it, shout, it, out to, it's, shout out to bald and bankrupt. Fucking greatest <laughs> YouTube ever. It's awful if a civilian gets killed in any kind of you know conflict, but it's somehow worse if you got no... Um, tactical, like there's no military targets. Like the, if you're doing nothing, if you're doing it solely just to kill civilians, it's somehow worse. Yeah, if you, you know it I mean? is. It is worse to kill a civilian because they didn't ask to be in a conflict. You know, it's not their. Oh, it's yeah, not no, their job to yeah. be there. I still don't like On, when soldiers die, but at the same time, they they kind of volunteer. Yeah, you you put you put your blood on that line, right? So, so there's I mean, like a it less. It it's is. lesser as far as like a uh, like outrage. You know? Yeah, but like when you intentionally target nothing but civilians. it also depends it's on like, how they oh, die. Gross. It depends on how they die. Like if a soldier dies, it's like in a battle. It's like well, you know that that is what it is. That's their job. But if they yeah. if they die from eight hundred ninety six thousand pounds of explosives in a hotel, <laughs> uh, that's not good. You know? Or conversely, after doing some time at the VA, how they're treated by the system, yeah, that's also not a great way to go out. Yeah. On on September 13, nineteen ninety nine, at five a.m., a large bomb explodes. In the basement of a park uh, of an apartment block, in Kazhiruskoya uh, Highway, um, in South Moscow, which is about uh, six kilometers or three point seven miles away from the, the place of the last attack. Yeah, I need freedom uh, units. I don't care about that commie shit about kilometers. Um, so this bombing. Settle down, uh, Dad. <laughs> this, this bombing completely levels the eight-store apartment building. It kills one hundred nineteen people and injures two hundred. Oh my That's god! Um, so now we're stop now we're up to like almost two fifty. <laughs> Jesus! On, year, I feel like nineteen ninety nine was not a great year for Russia. I don't. In the, I don't remember any of this in nineteen ninety nine. I was either. I, I think I was drunk or doing something. I don't know. I remember like a lot of like the nightly news being like, "Up, oh, another bombing in Russia." Yeah, and I see, just I didn't watch the nightly vividly. news. I didn't either. My parents did though. Yeah. I was. I was playing on my Game Boy. I was checked out. Steve was too busy playing Ultima online. I wish. Actually, I didn't, in 1999, I, didn't have, I was probably no, I playing play Goldeneye I probably on playing, like, 64. Goldeneye and shit. Yeah, we're Goldeneye yeah. was, yeah, 97, 98, I think. More. You yeah, know, I definitely would have been playing it in 99 then. Yeah. You know a gentleman's game, Slappers Only? Yeah. No Big no Head? Odd job. No Big Head. No Odd Job. No Odd Job. If you fucking play Odd Job on Goldeneye, <laughs> then you know what? If you were one of those people who played Odd... The same people who played Odd Job on Goldeneye... Are the ones who won't wear masks? because they just don't. <laughs> yes, because there's a yes, there's a correct. correlation there because they don't understand why it's why they should not be or follow that rule. Like they don't understand. They're too dumb. <laughs> fucking assholes! Every fucking but, shot going inches above his fucking, fucking head. Shot. Every goddamn thing. And every time I'd set, up, I hate that game. Sometimes every time you'd set up those like remote bombs and you'd set them up. You know, not to. Maybe it's a bad episode to talk about bombing things in Goldeneye. But, <laughs> no, it's very topical. But yeah, like you'd set well, them you up, could... and then my buddy would just come around and shoot me in the back, and I'm like, "Fuck!" 
<laughs> what what you got to do with the remote mines is you have to throw them and detonate them midair. On oh, yeah, like midair. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. way to do it right there. Yeah, um, you gotta, listen, it's like gambit. Mines were my specialty. You got to be like so, mines. I was that guy. Proximity <laughs> mines were the fucking worst, dude. I was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway. I was the odd job of weapons. Two hundred and forty <laughs> Russians are dead. Fuck. <laughs> So where where things begin to get interesting, or or I should say, like like not not so much interesting, but things become questionable, is that also on that day, which is September thirteenth, nineteen ninety nine, the police find and defuse bombs in an apartment block in Borisovskaya Prudy Street um, and Kabotinya in Russia. Um, So according to a a number of journalists. Lifineko, uh, Felistinsky, and Goldfarb on September 13th, 1999, um, um, a man named um, Akamez um, Gochiaev uh, called and reported about bombs that were planted in several locations. Um, Gochiaev claimed um, that he had been framed by his old aco- uh, by an old acquaintance of his who was an FSB officer um, who asked him to rent uh, basements as quote-unquote storage facilities at four locations uh, where the bombs were later found. Uh oh. Um, after the second explosion on uh, Kajeruskoe uh, Highway, um, Gochiaev uh, recognized that he had been set up and he called the police and told them about the basements um, of those two buildings um, where, the, um, where the explosives uh, were found and that they had prevented from exploding. Wow. Um, in 2002, uh, Phil Shinetsky and, and Lefineko had obtained a written testimony from Akamez uh, Gochiaev, um, as well as a video recording and several photographs Can we sort talk of confirming about the name all this. Phil Shinetsky? <laughs> it sounds like a cheese. It just sounds weird, yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> um, so, uh, according to a Russian newspaper, Kommersant, uh, um, and the public relations center of the FSB, um, further bombings in Moscow were prevented with the help of a real estate agent who had called the police after the second bombing in Moscow and told them about his client who had rented basements in the two buildings, which were blown up in Moscow. Um, this, client, uh, this client had been identified as Akhmez, um Gochiaev. Okay. That name sounds familiar, Gochiaev. That sounds familiar. Um, on in uh, uh, in Volgonovsk, um, a a truck bomb is detonated on September 16, nineteen ninety nine, outside a nine story apartment complex um, Jesus, in in the center of the city, um, and it kills seventeen people and injures sixty nine. Um, the bombing takes place at five fifty seven a.m. Um, and the surrounding buildings are also um, exploded. The blast um, happened about nine miles away from a nuclear power plant. Oof. Uh, Can we uh, get away from those guys? Can then, do that, please? then Prime Minister Putin signs a decree calling on law enforcement and other agencies to develop plans within the following three days to protect industry, transportation, communications, food processing centers, and nuclear complexes from attacks. Is the is the idea here that these are false flag bombings or something? Well, that's... That's sort of the conspiracy theory, as, as you'll as you'll come to find out as we get further into this. Mm-hmm. There's more. Holy fuck, dude! Um, this, again, this is like a whole year of just. This is this is a span like of, a of 
just well, bombings. Well, no, this is like a month of bombings. God, we're geez, still and and on September twenty second, nineteen ninety nine. We're um, still in September. At at yeah, at eight thirty p.m. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, a resident of apartment building in the center of Ryazan, um, Alexei uh, um he noticed this two suspicious men carrying sacks into the basement of a building from Again, a car. I, I ask you, that is just a <laughs> normal day in Russia. Literally two suspicious, suspicious men carrying sacks into the basement. It's just Russian Monday. Let me guess, they were smoking too, and they were wearing track suits, right? <laughs> they were not gopniks. <laughs> if they were gopniks, they, the, they wouldn't they have called. The, they were doing the slab squat, right? Very suspicious. Um, while the car, while the license plate on the car indicated that it was registered in Moscow, a sheet of paper had been taped over the last two digits, um, and the number written um, written on this piece of paper implied that the car was local. Oh, all right, okay. Uh, Karto Filinkov, um, he alerts the police, um, who, uh, but by the time they arrive, the the car and the men are gone. Um, the policemen find um, sacks of white powder in the basement, each weighing about 110 pounds. Cocaine, right? Um, attached to them, they find what is uh, what appears to be a detonator and timing device. Not um, cocaine. <laughs> and the uh, the detonator is a 12 gauge shotgun shell that had been filled with a powder. Cocaine. Uh, and the timer was set to 5:30 uh, a.m. Cracking cocaine. Might, might be cocaine. 5:30 a.m. You'll go insane. <laughs> Uncle Kane. <laughs> have you heard that album yet, Ryan? That, have we posted that and shown you that? I, yeah, we. I think you would enjoy uh-huh. the McGruff the Crime Dog it's the, uh, album. Yeah, it's the McGruff the Crime Dog, uh, like Dare album oh from the God, from the yes. '80s, and it it it, it slaps, it. dude. It fucking yeah. slaps. I need to see it. Got some, got some good synthesizer work, you know. Some, Dude, some I'm good gonna, lyrics. I'm gonna, I'm gonna smoke a ton of weed and then listen you to absolutely, the You absolutely. I'm gonna be honest with you. I like to think I'm mature, <laughs> and I'm an adult. But that sounds like a great thing to do, dude. When, when, when marijuana the war on drugs. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah. When marijuana is legalized in Florida, we're we're gonna throw a big party. We're all gonna wear dare shirts. We're gonna we're yep. gonna listen to that song on repeat, and we're just gonna blaze up. Also, so just, you know, legally throwing this out there, I am uh, legally allowed to partake in the marijuana in Florida because I do have a medical card. Yeah, we've been over so. this. You know, I don't think, yeah. anybody, I don't think anybody's coming for you. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Uh, we get kicked off the podcast platform. They're talking about Smoke of the Reefer on there. It's supposed to be history. Yeah, Joe Rogan continues to fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, the, the man from the bon squ- uh, Bomb Squad... Um, reportedly uh, tests the three sacks um, of white substance within uh, a quote-unquote MO2 gas analyzer and detects RDX vapors. So his, that sounds his like mouth. some fucking My Cousin Vinny shit. Um, so <laughs> he takes, he takes a little bit of that shit on his pinky and just licks it and goes, yeah, this is the real. <laughs> well, we're, we're getting there, Steve. That, that, that actually I'm comes sorry, up at one point. That. Um, so the the inhabitants of the apartments are are evacuated, um, uh, according to a journalist, David Satter. Um, residents of of neighboring buildings fled their homes in terror, um, and this this caused about three uh, thirty thousand residents of the city um, spending the night out on the streets. Jesus. Um, police and rescue vehicles converged um, on the location, um, and as many as twelve hundred local police officers were put on alert. Um, and the railroad stations and airport were surrounded, 
and roadblocks were set up on highways to prevent people from leaving the city. What? To, to prevent the bombers from, from leaving the city, is the okay, idea. I thought you meant, like, civilians. I was like, what? Um, Russia's at, fucked. I didn't realize they were that fucked. At 1.30 a.m. on, on September 23rd, 1999, um, explosive engineers uh, from the, the Ryazan um, local uh, FSB... Uh, group um, took a bit of the substance from the suspicious looking sacks um, to a firing ground located about 1.6 kilometers away from Ryazan for testing. Um, like, like, so basically doing like bomb squad. Stuff. Yeah, they're, they're sort of testing it. And, and during the substance tests at the area, um, they, they tried to explode it with a detonator, um, which was also made from a shotgun shell, but their efforts failed. Um, the substance was, was not able to be detonated and explosion did not occur. So what did they think it was like talcum powder? Well, at, at 5 AM, uh, radio Russia, uh, reported that the, uh, reported the attempted bombing, um, noting that the bomb was set to go off at 5 30 AM. Um, and as, as this is all going on, um, composite sketches are made of the three suspected terrorists, um, who were two men and a woman. Um, were posted um, everywhere in the city and shown on TV. Um, and at 8 a.m., uh, Russian television reported the attempt to blow up the building in, in Ryazan um, and identified the explosive used as, a, um, as an RDX explosive. So we have a calling card of RDX explosives because I've seen, I'm seeing a pattern and like a bunch of these are saying they're finding this, this RDX stuff, right? This, this graphics card explosive, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, a Vladimir, uh, Ruchelio, um, announced later that police had prevented a terrorist attack and a news report at, at 4 PM, uh, reported that the explosives failed to detonate, uh, detonate during the, the testing outside the city. So That's, does that mean that they're actually explosives or does that just mean they're a different type of explosives well, that can't be set off by heat? Well, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, at, at 1900, uh, Vladimir Putin praises the vigilance of the inhabitants of, of Ryazan um, and called for the air bombing of the Chechen city of Grozny in response to this act of terrorism. Did he believe that the perpetrators were from Grozny? Well, he said, um, th this is to quote him, um, if the sacks which proved to contain explosive were noticed, that means there is a positive side to it, if only the fact that the public is reacting correctly to the events taking place in our country today. I'd like to thank the public. No panic, no sympathy for the bandits. But if they're, if the sacks aren't able to be exploded, does that, they're not explosive, right? Well, they're, they're not, not explosives, right? Well, they're not. They're not sure. Um, but Putin is making a very, very like pointed statement that they're explosives, right? Well, Putin is saying that this is the work of, of terrorists from Chechnya. Okay. So he's not... Okay. Okay. Um, so on September 23rd, uh, Natalia uh, Yukonova, who's a tele uh, telephone service employee in Ryazan, um, she tapped into a suspicious phone call to Moscow where she overheard the following instructions. Leave one at a time. There are patrols everywhere. The call number was traced to a telephone exchange unit that served the FSB offices. All right, let's also be real. Those kind of phone calls, once again, going back, are not not, not strange in Russia, because everything is fucking suspect in Russia. Um, when what arrested the, um, the detainees, the, those, those three individuals, they, uh, they produced um, FSB 
identification cards, and they were soon released under orders from Moscow. Uh, so huh. the the position of authorities on the rise in incident um, would change signifi- uh, significantly. Um, initially, it was declared to be a real threat. However, um, when the people who planted the the quote unquote bomb were identified, the official narrative changed that it was uh, security training. Uh, 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 on on so September, backs up against the wall. The story changes. This. This this smacks this is this is why it's why it's very sus because yeah. when these people are caught they say no no these, this isn't a real terrorist attack this is just the FSB and everybody's like no but these are the people that were planning a bomb like we saw them right <laughs> they're like no 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 everything is fine these are other people you're good you're good go back to your house you're fine you're fine <laughs> on September twenty fourth uh, FSB director Nikolai uh, Patrushev announced that it was an exercise that was being carried out to test responses after the earlier blasts. Um, but was it? <laughs> but was it, though? And then the, the local FSB and Ryazin, um, they issue a statement saying, who they're, they're not very happy about this, they say, this announcement came as a surprise to us. It appeared at the moment when the FSB had identified the places of residence in Ryazin of those involved in planting the explosive device and was prepared to detain them. Um, the FSB also issued a public apology stating, in a show of independent investigation on NTV, um, Evgeny uh, Savotonyov, uh, uh, former director of Moscow at Moscow uh, Oblast Regional FSB branch, has criticized the FSB for performing such exercise on residential buildings with inhabitants inside and without notifying local authorities. That doesn't sound good, my man. <laughs> um, excerpts of a plan of the planned Ryazan operation uh, were first published in 2002. It stated that the exercise had been overseen by the head of the FSB's uh, Center of Special Operations, uh, Major General Alexander Tikhonov. Okay. Um, and then there also becomes a controversy over the explosive detection equipment that was used. Because in February of 2000, uh, the Novaya Gazeta uh, journalist uh, Pavel uh, Voloshin had published an essay uh, called What Happened in Rise in Sugar or Hexagon or Hexagen um, that was partly based on a, a, a two-hour-long interview he had with Yuri uh, Tagachenko, a, a police explosives expert who defused the bomb. Um, the essay noted that uh, that its well-known gas analyzer that tested the vapors coming from the sacks indicated the presence of RDX. Once again, that same chemical that's been blowing up all these buildings. Yeah, and and Tikachenko, um, he said that it was completely that he was completely certain that the instrument was working correctly. Um, the gas analyzer was of a was of a world class quality. Um, its uh, cost was around twenty thousand dollars at that time. It was maintained by a specialist who worked according to a strict schedule, making frequent uh, prophylactic checks. Um, because of the device contained a radioactive source. Huh, uh, okay. med- so meticulous care had been taken in the handling of this analyzer, and it was necessary in its management um, because the um, the bomb squad's lives depended on this device working properly. Right. Um, so speaking of the, de- uh, the detonator, uh, Voloshin noted that people who disarmed the device, which was uh, Tigachenko and the bomb squad, they claimed that the detonator was attached to the sacks, was not a dummy, and had been prepared on a professional level. Okay. 
So they're they're not thinking that this is like some like cook like bathtub cook. Yeah, and then and then the war the police warrant officer who answered the original call and discovered the bomb, he also insisted that there were no doubts that this was like a realistic like situation. Okay. Um, at a pref- at a press conference um, on the occasion of the uh, Security Agency Workers' Day in December of 2001, uh, Tikachenko said that the gas analyzer um, had not been used and that the detonator was a shotgun shell that couldn't detonate any known explosives. What? So he says that the gas analyzer that he had previously said had not been used. So why is he going back on his story then? Well... So what comes out is that after a newspaper uh, interview in, in March of 2000, uh, uh, Ryan Saki uh, uh, Venomosti, uh, he published an interview with Lieutenant Colonel Yuri Maximov, who is the head of the, the Ryazan um, unit of the FSB. Uh, Maximov said that the Ryazan bomb was equipped with a, um, the, the bomb squad was equipped with a vapor uh, detector MO2, but the bomb disposal experts didn't like using it, so they used an analytical kit called an Expri kit, which was more accurate. Okay. So that they had, they had used a different kit, but they had signed off on the report stating that they had used their, the one that they were supposed to be using. So... I mean, so is this a case of incompetence and then, like, the the, the, the willful cover-up of incompetence because you knew you were supposed to do, you were doing the wrong thing? Well, what, or is this just a case of they're just being Russian? Well, what what essentially comes out in a, in a later interview in February 2003, a, a Commerzat journalist, Olga Alanova, uh, who studied the, the, the sort of file on the incident attained, um, that, that they had attained from the Russian state Duma, um, they found that according to the proceedings, the bomb disposal expert who arrived at the scene was twice performed a test which didn't show the presence of explosive particles. Um, the head of the bomb squad, uh, Tikachenko, who arrived soon after, made a test himself and found RTX. Um, when Tikachenko uh, was questioned, it was concluded that the detection of RTX or RDX was made possible by the by a contamination to his hands since he had worked with explosives containing RDX on the day before the incident without wearing sterile gloves. Uh, Cross-contamination, dog. It'll get you every time. Yeah. Be careful. Can't get your chicken on your pork. And so, basi- so basically then there was no RDX then there. Well, yeah, it, that, that's essentially if you believe this report what was stated. And essentially what they say is that while they claim they used the MO2 gas detector, what they did because they didn't have the they didn't have sort of the permission to use the expre kit that they like to use, they just put down that they used the MO2 kit while using the expre kit. Oh man, yeah, guys, fuck, look, mm, not working because not working because me. because uh, they weren't supposed to have this expre kit. Um, I, I don't know how they got it. I'm sure they got it on some sort of like gray market source. Or, or they had personally bought it and used it, but they weren't supposed to be using this, so they they lied on the paperwork. So why didn't they just use both and then make two report like make two reports like we use this and we got this from it, and then the stuff that we're not supposed to be using, we got this from the stuff that. Well, we're well, to I assume and sort of did do it correct. Why well, assume and sort of the laziness and um, sort of uh, corruption of the day. They just decided they'll just use the one they like and then just claim they use the other one. What pieces of shit? Okay, go ahead. 
Um, so in, in March of 2000, the head of the, the Ryazan FSB, uh, General uh, Sergeyev, he appeared on a TV show called Independent Investigation and commented on the device used to detect RDX. Um, according to him, it was packed in a briefcase and acted like a litmus test. Um, the substance uh, to, to be investigated was wiped by a collection paper and was subsequently sprayed uh, with an aerosol can. Like you do. A, a change of the paper color <laughs> like indicated indicated the presence of explosives. Uh, Sergeyev explained that the false positive result was due to the prior contamination um, uh, from uh, Tikochenko um, um, when he had poured what was reported to be sugar from the sacks to perform the test. Um, this is further muddied because um, in March of 2000, there's a report. Uh, there's a report in the the Novaya uh, Gazeta by uh, Pavel Voloshin about an account of a private Alexei um, P. Uh, Pinyev. Uh, initially, it's just Private Alexei, who was reportedly a member of the 137th Regiment of the Russian Army. Uh, Pinyev uh, um, had guarded a, a storehouse with uh, weapons and munitions uh, near the city of Ryazan. And together with a friend, they had entered the storehouse to see the weapons. Um, they were surprised that they had seen sacks that were labeled sugar in the warehouse. Um, and so uh, what they did, because they were they were sort of dismayed at like the what was there that they could take, um, that they cut into they cut a hole in the bag of of sugar and, and poured it into some bags, and that they would use for uh, tea later on. Um, but they reported that when they made tea using the sugar, that the taste of the tea was terrible. Um, so they became uh, frightened by this um, because they were afraid that it would it might be uh, saltpeter, um, and they brought the uh, plastic bag to their platoon commander. Yeah, saltpeter is used in a lot of uh, explosives. Yeah, and it's also poisonous. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say. They consulted a, a, a sapper. Um, who's, who's an explosives expert? Yeah, um, and yeah. and he had and I know he identified Warhammer. I know that from Warcraft. <laughs> Look at us, those goblin Nerds. sappers. Um, and he identified the substance as as hexagon. Um, according to now, uh, did Phil he Shinetsky, do the lick test? Yeah, he's like he did that. He just dipped his pinky in there, and he's like, "This is pure hexagon." <laughs> is that good shit? <laughs> this is the real. He's like, I'm gonna, deal, I'm gonna, deal. I'm gonna need a mirror and I'm gonna need a, a razor blade. <laughs> Give me that five million ruble note I as well. Ru- <laughs> roll it into a little I cylinder. I need a paper ruble. <laughs> Take that uh, that that idol off the wall. We're going to use that icon and we're going to uh, do the good shit. <laughs> this shit will kill you. I'm telling you, it's so good. <laughs> But but according to um, uh, Filshinsky and uh, Pribyatlovsky, uh, the newspaper reported um, that FSB officers descended on the unit um, and accused them of divulging a state secret and told them, quote-unquote, you guys can't even imagine what a serious business you've gotten yourselves tangled up in. Uh-oh. Uh, the Uh-oh. regiment was... The regiment would later... The regiment would later sue... The publishers of the Novaya Gazeta um, for insulting the honor of the Russian army, um, since it, it came out that there was no actual private uh, Alexei uh, Pinyayev 
um, in the battalion, according to their statement. A, a report aired on the channel ORT in March of 2000, uh, created by a journalist named uh, Leonid Grozin and, and an operator, uh, Dmitry uh, Vishnovoy, um, accused the, the Novaya uh, Gazeta of lying. Um, according to Grozin and, and Vishnovoy, um, there is there was no storehouse on the test range for them to for this sort of scenario to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, um, Alexei uh, Pinyaev um, a- admitted uh, meeting with uh, Pavel uh, Volochin, but claimed that he was merely asked to confirm a preconceived story, claiming that this guy had a story, and he asked him to sort of like verify it, uh, possibly for money. Okay. Um, and at an FSB press conference in 2001, uh, Private uh, Penyayev uh, stated that there was no hexagon in the 137th Airborne Regiment and that he was hospitalized in December 1999 anyways and no longer visited the test range. All right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still with you. I'm still with you. So after the bombing of Goryanova Street in September on September 9th, uh, the Moscow FSB reported that items removed from the scene showed traces of TNT and RDX, which is also um, another name for hexagon. God, there it is again. Um, so the FSB declared that the explosive used in the bombings was a mixture of aluminum powder, ammonium nitrate, TNT, and sugar prepared by the perpetrators in a concrete mixer at a fertilizer at a fertilizer factory in Uros uh, Martin, Chechnya. Wait, but but. It was actually it like sugar was in there, like in the recipe. Yeah, I believe it was like actually present, which does check out because there are certain items like that that do appear in like explosives. Okay. Um. So they 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 sort of have the smoking gun in Chechnya, um, and they also claim that each bomb contained some plastic explosive um, that was used as a booster. Um, part of the, the sort of thing with the, the use of, of hexagon or RDX is that only one factory in Russia produces hexagon, and it's a factory in Perm. Um, and according to a journalist, David Satter, uh, the FSB changed the story about the type of explosive um, since it was difficult for them to explain how huge amounts of RDX um, had disappeared from that facility. Right. Um but according to a lieutenant general of the FSB, uh, Ivan uh, Miranov, the precise composition of the explosive mixture was hard to determine because no visible traces remained after the aluminum powder is consumed in the blast. Uh, okay. So what happens is that following uh, the Russian apartment bombings and those uh, previously mentioned invasions of, of Dagestan by Mujahideens from Chechnya, which also included sort of like former uh, KGB agents who were themselves, you know, like Russian Muslims. Are these the same Mujahideens that were uh, lauded at the end of was that Rambo Two? No, these are these are Russian Mujahideen. They're not they're not the brave fighters of the Mujahideen that, <laughs> that helped John Rambo defeat the Soviet Union. Yes. <laughs> I do like that someone took the end scene of Dune and they said that they, they put it over that this is dedicated to the brave <laughs> Fremen warriors. Um, so, 
so what happens is is that because Putin during this whole process portrays a very strong law and order image, and there's just sort of uh, unrelenting sort of like view on a war on a second war with Chechnya, um, it sort of like raised his popularity in the same way that like George W. Bush raises his popularity after 9/11 by just like going like we're gonna go after them. Putin does the same thing, right? I mean, and I mean that's a common thing. That's not even something that I'm surprised at either, because after after times of great tragedy, if the president cannot be a, a bumbling fucking idiot, it, popularity just skyrockets. So what happens is is that while he's not formally associated with any party, he pledges his support to the previously mentioned uh, Unity Party, which is sort of like a composition of of a number of these sort of like populist liberal parties. Um, and behind this party, he wins the second largest percentage of the popular vote, uh, 23.3% in December, 1999. Um, so he's able to sort of, uh, sort of gain popularity and sort of take the reins. But on December 31st, 1999, uh, Boris Yeltsin unexpectedly, uh, resigns. Um, and according to the constitution of Russia, uh, Vladimir Putin becomes the acting president of the Russian Federation. Do we know why Yeltsin just up and resigned? Well, essentially, what happens is because things are going so badly, um, he says he steps down. Okay. Um, and also, too, uh, what comes out during this period is that there's this company called Mabitex, which is a, I believe, a a Swiss company. They're not a Russian company. They're a European company. Okay. Um, they are. Yeah, they're a Swiss company, and that they had been given a number of state contracts to sort of renovate um, historical landmarks in Russia and other sort of government buildings. Right. Uh-huh. And and this all leads back to kickbacks that go to Yeltsin and his family. Uh, so okay. the first presidential decree from Putin on December thirty first, nineteen ninety ninety nine is titled on guarantees for the former president of the Russian Federation and members of his family. Um, so what this essentially does is give the, the Yeltsin family immunity. So, uh, corruption charges against the outgoing president's relatives, uh, would not be pursued. Um, so the Mavitex bribery case just disappears. So it's just a case of rich people looking out for rich people. Got yeah. And on August 30th, 2000, um, a criminal investigation, uh, that involves Putin um, as a member of the St. Petersburg city government um, is dropped. On December 30th, uh, 2000, yet another case is dropped, um, quote unquote, for lack of evidence. Um, Did we dis- finally make it out of 1999? Uh, despite several thousands of documents that have been forwarded by Swiss prosecutors. What? <laughs> this guy's like fucking Teflon. He's like, uh, what's his what's his nuts? Al Capone. He's you can't touch him. And on February 12, 2001, uh, Putin signed a similar federal law which replaced the decree, stating that these people couldn't be touched. These people. Um, a, a case regarding Putin's alleged corruption in in that metal export scandal from 1992 uh, would have been brought back, um, but this. Um, this woman who brings it up, uh, Marina uh, Salier, um, she silenced and forced to leave St. Petersburg. Oof. Um, and what essentially happens is, is that because of uh, Yeltsin unexpectedly dropping out, 
There was supposed to be an election in June of 2000 for the president, but because Yeltsin resigned, the election has to be held within three months. So the election, instead of being held in June, has to be held on March 26th of 2000. Um, And Putin, who is prepared for this, he runs and he's able to win with 53% of the vote. Oh, Putin's prepared, you don't say. Um, he launches the uh, the second war in Chechnya is successful. These these sort of Chechen um, Islamists are defeated. Um, the Kardraya family uh, is able to take over Chechnya, and where uh, they still rule today. Huh. Um, because huh. Uh, it's it's just not surprising. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, Kardraev's father was the leader before him, um, who had been sort of like, he had been one of these Islamists, he had been associated with them, but they sort of uh, double-cross each other, and then he comes out to side with the Russian government, and the Russian government just gives him and his family just free reign in Chechnya. Um, Kardraev's father is, is eventually like blown up at a Victory Day parade, he's assassinated, um, and after that, his uh, his son uh, Ramzan um, just just sort of runs the country. Um, like he's literally blown up at a parade, like yeah, like he's, marathon he, style. He's he's killed in a bombing. God damn, damn. Um, and then after that, they they like Chechnya is one of the most like militarized and secure like republics within Russia right now. Really? Yeah. So it's like safer, is what you mean? Yeah, it's like there's like soldiers everywhere and checkpoints and. All right, I don't know if that means. Well, I mean, okay, I guess that's safer. That doesn't. Ugh, fuck, it would suck to live there though. That's like saying a prison is like the most secure and safe. Like, yeah, but for the wrong reasons, you know. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, essentially. Essentially, what happened with what killed uh, Ramsey's father, um, Ahmed, was that a um, in March 9th of 2004, that and that they were sort of holding uh, the ceremony at the at the football stadium, um, and under the VIP seating was a bomb, um, and it killed him, um, two of his bodyguards, and the chairman of the the state council. Um, Dozens of other people were injured or or killed, but those were, like, the main ones. That's got to be the worst kind of times to live in, like, Russia during, you know, 1999, from August to December. Um, Like, living in Northern Ireland and Belfast during the 60s and 70s, because, like, any second it could happen. You have no idea. There's no warning. It's just, boom. It's like Like living in New York in the 70s. Like that photo. Like that photo of the father and his daughter, where he has his yeah, daughter right on his shoulders. Yep. Yeah, right in front of the red car. Yep. It's fucking terrifying. Like you have no idea, and it's not uh, a, a discriminatory attack. It's just every everything's getting fucking. But like and that is why but like terrorism Rams- is terrorism. But like uh, Romson uh, uh, Kardarov is like a uh, James Bond villain. Like he has like MMA fights between like twelve year olds. So when I say like MMA fights, I mean like real. Like, I'm sure, and you know what? I'm sure he deserved it, but at the same time, I'm sure somebody. Well, no, that's his father. I'm just saying that 
the yeah. current the current guy who runs Chechnya, like why it's so secure is because he's like a crazy like dictator. Yeah. Who who has like Putin's back? Like, Wait a minute. It, is is this the guy that was on last week tonight? It's like Ramzan Katarov or whatever. The yeah, it has like the he has like a bunch of like pet tigers and stuff. Yeah, that dude. Okay, yeah, he's a fucking lunatic, dude. Yeah, <laughs> John Oliver did a really good piece. But of him and, he's, yeah, he's not, essentially Putin's he's essentially Putin's trigger man. Like anytime like there's like a prominent opponent of like Russia, they tend to be assassinated by quote unquote like Chechens. Yeah, like like okay. thugs from Chechnya, and it, it it just seems to be like the clear line seems to be that like uh, Kadraev is like his like like his asset he can use like his um, they can just like wave away. Yeah, 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 yeah. He also made Khabib come out of retirement. Did he really? <laughs> yeah, because after after Khabib's father died of uh, coronavirus, Khabib was going to retire. But but then he said that uh, mom said uh, had had sat down with him and like talked him out of it, <laughs> which I imagine is very much like a like an offer you can't refuse type scenario type situation. Yeah. yeah, like like yeah, you're gonna throw that fight. Like, oh my god. So are we gonna cut ties here and finish off in part we'll, two. We'll stop here and then we'll we'll talk about the conspiracy theories around this and some of the other oddities that come up that seem to confirm the the, the conspiracy theories. Oh really? Oh interesting. There's 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 more oddities and more things that come up. Ah boy. Alright. Well with that with that good evening. <laughs> good night. Or good morning good wherever you are. We live in a space outside of time. (laughs) We live in a society. Oh, man. All right. Later. Later. Later.